G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The greatest gift my father gave to me was God. He pointed me to God. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue his message about modelling fatherhood and about the example of sacrificial love Jesus set when coming to live among us. There are people in the audience right now whose father was abysmal, was just horrible. They projected that view of dad onto their heavenly father. And it's tough for them to understand a God of love and grace who's not a taskmaster but loves them and wants to serve them. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the conclusion of Modelling Fatherhood. Servant leader, Jesus gave up everything to come here and save us. And not just to tell us what to do, but get down on one knee and demonstrate. That's what a good father does. Now you think about this for a moment. How many of you fathers, uh, you're in bed one night and you notice there are some robbers at the front door. It's 3 a.m. So you go into the bedroom of your little eight-year-old boy and you say, hey, little Tommy, I'm kind of sleepy. There's some robbers at the front door. Will you take care of those for me? You don't do that, do you? How many of you dads have had to work a second job to make sure your kids had food to eat? Yeah. Now, here's the hard one. Now that we know what we know about the family, how many of us are willing to, to serve so intensely that we're willing to fight for our marriage for the sake of the kids. Oh, wait a minute now. God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy with this woman. Oh, God only cares about your happiness, not the happiness of your kids. It's only you. That's hard, isn't it? When the pastor tells you to fight with everything you can for your marriage for the sake of your kids. (sighs) That's a real man who will give up what he thinks he's entitled to for the sake of a greater good. That's, what, that's exactly what Jesus did. How many of you men have the courage to know that you're not being the father that you yourself want to be and you're stuck and you'd have so much courage that you'd walk out the door and you'd go out to the men's table and you'd see Dane Johnson and say, man, I'm not doing this well, but I've heard that there are hundreds of men in this church who are being the leaders in the family, men that they need to be. Can you help me? And I guarantee he'll say, yes, we can. Come on. As I look at God in my own life as a father, I see a sovereign God who tempers it with grace and mercy and discipline. I see a God who's a servant leader who who doesn't just tell me how I ought to live, but actually comes down and models it for me. Jesus left heaven and earth to lead through service. We fathers are called to move heaven and earth to take care of our children and to give them the best possible chance of a successful life of health and vitality. So can I tell you, This is the ultimate act of generosity when you restrict your freedom to secure theirs. And can I just give you a warning, young guys? Man, and young girls, if you're not willing to give up some of your privileges and rights as Christ did when he came to planet Earth, whatever you do, 
don't get married. <laughs> so many of you think that your life would be so much better if you were married. And the only reason you believe that is because you've never been married before. <laughs> There's a lot of beauty in it. In, in heaven's name, if you're not ready to give up your rights and some of your privileges, do not have kids. Because there's a lot of grandparents in the room raising the children of their children. They're doing the best they can. That is not the way God intended. So we have sovereignty. We have servant leadership. Quickly, we have sacrifice. Isn't it brilliant in the mind of God? You think about this. It is brilliant in the mind of God. If God truly wants to communicate to you the depth of his love, think about what, the, what, what is the best way to do that. What's the best way for him to convince you that he truly does love you? There's no better way than the gospel to give up his own son so he won't lose you. Do you know how hard it is for a parent to lose a son, a daughter? I guarantee if there are parents here right now and they've lost a child to suicide, that's all they're thinking about right now. What could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Because it wounds and it stays with you. To lose a child is to lose part of yourself and you never gain it back. One father wrote these words. He said, my child died today. I don't need advice. All I need is for you to gently close your mouth, open wide your heart and walk with me until I can see color again. So you have this God who gives up his own son so he would not lose you. That is the good news of the gospel, but it's also the model of fatherhood to where a father will give up good things for something that is better. And a father who will do that and the child recognizes that, recognizes their own meaning, worth, and value, and it goes with them through the rest of their lives. Now, adversely, take a father who is not only failing to protect and to love and sovereignty with grace and mercy and sacrifice and servant leader, not only is not achieving those things, but is actually the source of frustration and pain in the life of the child. One of my favorite stories my good friend Dr. Ravi Zacharias tells is in 1996 when the Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia, the, 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 the guy that was favored to win the 100 meters, favored by far because he had won every race up until the final, lost the race. And the next day, he called Ravi Zacharias, whose offices are in Atlanta. And he said, please, sir, can I come and talk to you? And he came and he talked to Ravi. And Ravi told me, he said, Jeff, he poured out his life. He said, as I was on the starting blocks, just before the gun sounded, this thought entered my mind, came out of nowhere. And the thought was, I wonder if my father is watching. Because my father told me that I would never amount to anything good, that I would never be successful. And just in that split second, the thought entered my mind and it was enough to cause just a pause and I lost the gold medal. There are people in the audience right now whose father was abysmal. Just not only not comforting, but was just horrible. Narcissistic, self-centered, absent, apathetic dad. And they're still trying to get over it. And what is worse, they've projected that view of dad onto their heavenly father. And it's tough for them to, to understand a God of love and grace who's not a taskmaster but loves them and wants to serve them 
and wants to give them every good thing? How can I convince somebody that God has your best in mind when their earthly father fell so miserably? It's a lifetime of scripture and prayer. What chance do those little kids across the street in my house and that little town in Tennessee really have? What view of God? Please hear me when I say, fathers, our children's view of God is directly related to their view of their father. That means it's important, dads, that you not only speak what it is. Stay with me. Dane Johnson, who leads our men's ministry, shared this with me years ago. I think it came from Robert Louis Cole. But he reminds us that when Jesus was baptized, what happened? A voice from heaven came down. The Spirit of God descends like a dove. What does the voice say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Robert Louis Cole says, if a father will speak those three things to his son for all of his life, he will end up having a child that is confident, that is successful, that moves out into the world with great courage. What are the three things? The three things that a father should say to every son and daughter... You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. You are my son. Beloved. You are my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. If you speak those three things every day in the life of your child, it will forgive a multitude of your other sins. Some of you say, well, I'm shy. I'm just not good with words. My advice to you is get over it. I'm sorry that you're shy, but that's not going to help solve any problem. My father was a real man's man, a real military dude, but he learned over time to say these words because he understood how valuable they were. You are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you, but it can't stop there. That's just part of the equation. Then you've got to go to the next thing. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We're hearing Modeling Fatherhood, all about our Heavenly Father and how our earthly experience of our fathers can influence our relationship with the Lord. Then you've got to go to the next thing, and that's where this verse comes into play. Let me read it again. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So what he's saying is when you receive, when you call on the name of the Lord, your sins are forgiven and the power of God comes on the inside of you, the spirit you receive to remind you that this is a father who loves you. He's Abba, Father. What's this about? What is this ultimately about? God is a father who not only promises you words and precepts, but he promises you presence, that he's with you wherever you go. I was reading an article, Lessons from a Father's Grieving His Teen's Suicide. Okay? Here's a father, teenage son, commits suicide, and he writes an article in a journal, and he says this, please stop saying these words to me. One, please stop asking me how I'm doing, because the answer is always going to be the same. Instead, hug me. Tell me you're praying for me. Tell me a story about how my son touched your life. Two, stop telling me to be strong because if by being strong, you mean don't grieve and pretend that my heart hasn't been pulled out of my chest. I'm sorry. That's impossible. I can't do that. Instead, how about taking a walk with me? Have a coffee with me. Talk to me about life. Please stop telling me that the holidays are going to be tough. Why are you terrorizing me in advance? Instead, invite me to your church. Take me out. For a holiday meal. Have a group sing carols at my front door. Send me a gift. 
for. Stop saying that you're suffering with me. Knowing that I'm contributing to your suffering doesn't help me. Instead, just come sit with me. Drink tea with me. Hold my hand. Take my arm. Just smile. What's he saying? I don't need just your words. I need your presence. The ultimate form of generosity is the gift of self. And that's what your children need more than anything. I remember my dad coming home from work. My dad worked 80-hour work weeks. You know, back in the old days, man, when they just worked all the time just to feed four boys. And he would come home on a Friday night in his suit and tie and run into the house and get the catcher's mitt because I had a little league baseball game. He'd say, come on, Jeff, let me warm you up. And he would get down on all fours. Actually, not all fours. That wouldn't work. On all twos. (laughs) Put out the mat and he'd say, rock and fire, Jeffrey, rock and fire. That's what I remember about my dad. And we're so busy in the Western culture that we're not present with our kids anymore. We'd rather be out with the guys. We'd rather be watching some TV show that's turning us into an idiot. We'd rather be doing anything rather than stopping and spending time. That's why for some of you fathers, I look at, I'm so proud of so many of you because you're, man, you're invested so much in your kids. You're at every baseball game that you can be at, every sport, you're doing the best that you can. But just make sure there's a balance in that part too. Make sure that you're teaching your kids that all those sports are important, that there's something that's more important, something that's holy and set apart and sacred. That you don't go get so wrapped up in their success in sports that you forget about showing them how important it is to honor God and that God is first. I just want to tell you something. I want to tell you, Father's just being honest with you. No matter what you say, when the place of worship becomes negotiable, when your kids get a little older, they will not be here. If it's negotiable to you, things like that tend to get worse with generations, not better. sovereign God that tempers it with grace and mercy with discipline that's a good father a servant leader who leads and is authoritative but serves and demonstrates who's willing to give up things that are good for something that is even greater sacrifice and then the end of the sermon supremacy now here's the problem with supremacy you can't have two supreme people (laughs) Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a pretty big statement. And I'm assuming that none of us are God. And if there are any men in the room that think you're God, just ask your wife. She'll let you know. (laughs) The ramifications of the supremacy of God are huge. It means that we as fathers have been called to be a father. But our ultimate calling is to point our children to the ultimate father, the one who is supreme. So insofar as it is important to get this thing right as a dad, it's even more important to point them toward the ultimate father so that when the child sees our mistakes, it'll lift their eyes toward the one who is perfect. There's an eight-year-old boy, this is the end now, from Chula Vista, California. Did I say that right? Chula Vista. I don't know. He was given a homework assignment by his teacher. One that I think would challenge even the sharpest of minds and intellects. He was told to write an essay on the topic, Explain God. This is what he wrote. One of God's main main jobs is making people. 
He makes them to replace the ones that die so there will be enough people to take care of the things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they're smaller and easier to make. <laughs> that way he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that up to moms and dads. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot of this goes on since some people, like preachers, pray all the time. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV because of this. Because he hears everything, there must be a, a terrible lot of noise in his ears unless he's thought of a way to turn it all off. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting his time by going over your mom and dad's head asking for things they said you couldn't have. <laughs> if you don't believe in God, you'll be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like to camp, but God can. It is good to know he's around you when you're scared in the dark or when you can't swim and you get thrown into the real deep water by big kids. <laughs> but you shouldn't just always think of what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and he can take me back anytime he pleases. And that's why I believe in God. The greatest gift my father gave to me, just quickly, greatest gift was God. He pointed me to God. And the statistics don't lie, man. The percentage of Christians who commit suicide is far less, far less. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, and I want to be careful here because I realize it's a mental illness. And I think it's such an injustice when a pastor tells you that somehow suicide is some unforgivable sin. That's ridiculous. Only God knows the mind and the heart of every individual. So let him do his thing. For you and me, let's just keep giving our kids hope. Because as long as there's hope, there's a possibility of life and good life. And that only comes through God. Because everything else in this life will let you down. And it's temporary. My father gave me that, and he gave it through strange ways. Let me, just, let me just tell you this last story here, okay? My dad was a tough guy. He really was. Uh, I remember my senior year of high school. Between my junior and senior year, my coach had recruited this, uh, this big guy from the Virgin Islands to play on our basketball team. He was about 6'8", 6'9", actually, I think. Name was James Henry. He's just a big dude. And I remember when I saw him, I thought, boy, your days are over. So, you know, I, I went home and I, I did what a 17-year-old might do. I started whining about it to my mom, my mommy. And I told my mommy that coach was being mean to me. And I'd worked this hard and I was supposed to be the star of the team. And now we got this new guy in and I can't compete with that. So I started whining. And my dad was in the room. And he sat over on the couch with his arms folded, just watching all this. And of course, my mom is over. Oh, put your head on my shoulder, honey. Do you want me to make you some milk and cookies? Come over here. My dad tolerated that for as long as he could. <laughs> and then when my mom got up to leave the room, he said, hey, let's you and me walk out on the front porch. Now, the front porch is the first marker to the woodshed. <laughs> my, my dad didn't even wait to the woodshed. As soon as we got out on the front porch, he gave me a verbal bashing. I mean, he said some things. To, he said some things. <laughs> 
I can't believe you're my own flesh and blood. You came from my loins. You're nothing like me. Is this what you're going to do every time you're thrown a curve in life? You little, and I can't finish that. I'm in church. (laughs) Suck it up, be a man. Get down there and show the coach what you're made of. And he just kept going on and on. Man, I just, I did what my dad said. Now, the reason I tell you that is because there's only one event in my life that I've never truly understood because it was so out of character for my father. And when I was a junior in high school, my basketball coach came to me and said, Jeff, your future is in basketball. My baseball coach came to me and said, Jeff, your future is in baseball. And when you're young, you just believe adults. Okay, you, you don't mistrust them. And so I chose basketball, and as a result, my baseball coach hated me because he hated the basketball coach. So he ended up using me as a means to get back at the basketball coach. So my senior year, even though my junior year, I had led our division in ERA as a pitcher, my senior year, he set me on the bench. Didn't play me. My father didn't do a thing because that's not my dad's style. He just watches to see how I'm going to handle it. I didn't quit. I came to practice every day. Coach used me a lot for batting practice, but never got in the game. Last game of my senior year, we had to win one game to be able to make it into the regionals. And as we're, we just lost to Sullivan Central, so we got one more game with Sullivan East the next day. And as we're walking off the field, we're kind of close to the stands, the coach looks at me and says, hey, Vines. I said, what? He goes, I'm going to start you tomorrow. And my dad heard that. And man, was he out of character. My dad jumped the fence. I look over, I see him crawling up this fence (laughs) with his suit on because he just barely made it in time after work. He jumps over the other side, rips his jacket on the way down. And I'm like, what's going on? Dad doesn't come on the field. My dad did not fight my battles for me. But something happened. And he walks up to him, puts his arm on me, and he said, son, get in the dugout. And I said, dad. And he said, get in the dugout. And he gave me that talk the second time, you know, to get in the dugout. Your life could be at stake. (laughs) I don't know exactly what he said, so I'm not going to lie. I don't know what he said to the coach. But I can tell you this. After it was over, he walked over to me and said, son, you're not going to pitch tomorrow. He said, you're going to go to basketball camp and start this new career. And now I look back, my dad just could not tolerate injustice. And he saw that his son was being used and had been abused all year and didn't say a word, but he wasn't, this is it. I look back at that many times in my life and I realize that my father wanted me to know that there is someone who will always climb the fence for me. And that delayed justice is not the same thing as no justice. So if he points me to God, I can always trust that God has my best interest in mind. And whatever he allows or causes in my life, I can know that he's shaping me and taking me in a direction that only he knows. And I think that's one of the reasons it's been difficult for me in my entire life to quit anything. Just keep going. Just keep going. I think that's the best gift that my dad gave. Sovereignty tempered with grace and mercy and discipline. 
servant leader, not only to tell me how life should be, but to get down and demonstrate in the way he treated me and my brothers and my mom. Sacrifice that dad would give up so much that he loves for something he loves more, his family and supremacy, pointing me toward the one who's in charge of everything. Dads, you do that. You do that. You set your children up for incredible success. May God be with you. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That was his message, Modelling Fatherhood, about God as our devoted Heavenly Father and about the ultimate calling of earthly fathers to point their children to God. To hear more messages from Pastor Jeff now, simply head to vision.org.au and search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.